0: Welcome back to another episode of Speaking to Stacey, the podcast sharing practical advice for an action-driven lifestyle. My name is Stacey Liddell, and I have some amazing practical takeaways for you today. My guest has had her fair share of experience with dieting, and as a result, she offers valuable insights on how to achieve a balanced and sustainable diet. Before I introduce her, I want to say a big thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen in and learn something new. If this conversation adds value to your life, please could I ask you to share the episode with one other person. You never know the positive impact someone's story could have on someone you care about. This week, my guest is Jade Spencer, a diet and fitness enthusiast who, at the time of recording, is studying nutrition through Precision Nutrition. If you're someone who is or has struggled with weight loss, Jade shares six simple and effective strategies that can assist you. Three key highlights are, number one, maintaining a moderate calorie deficit to lose weight. Number two, the importance of consistency in sustainable dieting. And number three, why protein is crucial during the weight loss phase. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And without any further ado, here's my guest, Jade Spencer. Alrighty, so this week on Speaking to Stacy, I've got a very, very interesting guest, in my opinion, and as always, Jade, I will let you introduce yourself and you can give the listeners a bit of insight into your journey into the health and fitness and nutrition space, and then we can dive into the six points that we want to discuss today.
1: Hi there, Stacy Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my name is Jade, and I recently started an Instagram page called Josie Fit Foodie, and just a little bit of a, a background to how I came into the space. So, I mean, Stacy messaged me on on Facebook. We're mutual friends, and at first, I couldn't understand why on earth he'd want to interview me on his podcast, to be honest. But um, after giving it some thought, so I I don't I'm not a dietitian. I I'm not a fitness trainer or anything. But I do one thing I do have plenty of experience in is uh, definitely. You know, um, I've got plus 10 years experience of, uh, serial dieting. So, you know, being on a diet, off a diet, trying to lose five kgs and putting it back on again, um, trying out all the fad diets and, um, yeah, recently just really took a step back and decided I needed to just refocus and really prioritize things. And, and, you know, I couldn't do this on and off dieting thing anymore and, um, I decided to actually do a a short course in nutrition just to finally. I wanted to really understand food um, instead of um, just trying to restrict myself as much as possible to lose weight. And um, yeah, even though I'm not, I wouldn't say, a seasoned expert in the field, I I guess you could say I'm the everyday woman who's finally managed to find balance um, and lose the weight sustainably and, you know find a good relationship with food in my body so i think that's definitely something worth chatting about and cheering so yeah really thanks so much for inviting me on the podcast
0: thank you so much for for agreeing to come on i think that in my personal opinion this platform that's really what i wanted to do with this platform is to bring on people that have had interesting stories and interesting perspectives in the space so i think you're perfect um for the show. And um, I think from there, we can just dive straight into your messaging and what you're all about. Okay, um, perfect,
1: yeah. So, okay. yeah, like I, like I said, definitely done the excessively restrictive rigid diets before. And um, I must say, I'm, I'm quite an excessive person. So, <laughs> I was recently um, doing really well with my training. I injured myself running because I was excessive with that. So, I ended up having a knee op and I couldn't run for a while so I decided cool I'm going to start training at the gym got really into that and then herniated a disc in my back being excessive with that so yeah that's why I said like I needed to take a step back and reassess and just realize like is this excessive culture that we have around diet and exercise just it's not good for you even if I hadn't got injured i mean training 7 days a week restricting calories it's being miserable because, you know, you can't ever, you know, going out with friends and thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to gonna have to drink and eat because, you know, I'm on this diet and, you know, I've got this all or nothing mentality. Either I have to be perfect or I'm just going to fall off the wagon and be excessively on the other side, so binging. So, yeah, that's when I did the course and um, started my Instagram page. And, I mean, I'm really, really loving all the engagement and interaction I'm getting on it, and it just shows... Shows me how hungry people are for this kind of information and um, you know mindset sh- mindset shift uh, moving away from these fad diets and I would call it diet culture where you know it's the all or nothing demonizing food labeling food as good food and bad food and and you know everything is about weight loss and everyone wants weight loss now you know like if it's if it's not gonna help you lose five kgs in a week people aren't interested. So I've just taken a step back and I'm looking at a more sustainable approach to weight loss. So I just wanted to like cut through some of the, the rubbish out there and give you all the listeners six tips or six things that I do um, that helped me lose weight sustainably and keep it off and live a more balanced life. Okay, so the first thing that we are going to talk about for sustainable weight loss is to be in a moderate calorie deficit. So This is the most important thing and the only thing that is actually going to result in you losing weight. So a calorie deficit, what that means is that you have to eat less calories than you are burning. So therefore, you will be in a deficit and you will lose weight. If you are eating more calories than you are burning, then you will gain weight. And if you are in maintenance, it means you are eating as many calories as you are burning. Okay, So basically, what we're going to aim for to lose weight is to be in a moderate calorie deficit. So basically, all these fad diets out there, they are just repackaging the idea of being in a deficit, okay? So if you are going to, so for example, uh, intermittent fasting or uh, cutting out your carbs, juicing, all those things, all that is doing is putting you in a calorie deficit in in a different way and a very excessive most of the time way and with rigid food rules and you do not need to be excessive in this way in order uh, you know to get into a moderate calorie deficit
0: i wanted to to jump in there and just ask from a pra- from a practical standpoint if someone is starting their journey has no idea about calories has no idea about how many uh, calories are in a gram of protein carb fat what would you recommend as a practical guide to someone starting out how would they how would they define what moderate means in that context and how would they go about sort of calculating their their needs um can you speak to that a little bit
1: yeah 100 percent. that's a very good question there are a lot of women that you know message me on on instagram and say listen i get your messaging but like how where on earth do i start so i for a long time did do calorie counting which some people love, some people hate. It's not for everyone. But, you know, you do need to understand the basics of how many calories are in the food that you are consuming. So calorie counting is definitely quite helpful. I found it very helpful. And I learned a lot while I was calorie counting. So the first step, obviously, you need to know how many calories you should be eating. And there are a lot of free online calorie counting or calorie calculators that you can go and you can put in, you know, your height, your weight, how active you are, and it will calculate for you um, how many calories you should be consuming. The the course that I did, Precision Nutrition, actually has a free online calorie calculator. So maybe we can link that in, in the in the bottom of this, so if people want to go and, and yep. work that out. Um, and then what you do is it will it will calculate depending on how much you are how active you are. So, for example, if someone is the same height and weight and they are very inactive versus someone that is more active, obviously, they are going to have to restrict a little bit more to be in a deficit. So, it will calculate calculate that for you. And then in in terms of tracking, so I use an app called MyFitnessPal where it is a little bit tedious to begin with. So, you do have to log everything you eat. And I would say if you can do that for a month to two months and really just learn um, I found it very, very helpful, for example, I used to chow peanut butter out of the jar, and once I did a little calorie tracking with this app, I saw how many calories are in peanut butter and avocado and nuts and things like that, and it really just you know it was quite a revelation and now it 's not that i don 't eat those things, but I 'm just more conscious of them and you know eat them in a little bit more moderation than i than I did before. Um, if you find calorie tracking like that too um, intensive and overwhelming and it just doesn't fit your lifestyle, then there are other things you can do. So there is a, um, a method called the hand portion method where you can, it's it's less accurate than actual logging of your um, calories, but it will help give you a, a good guideline. So if you do, like I said, the free calorie calculator with precision nutrition, it will actually send you Um, a breakdown of how to do your hand portioning so for example um, it breaks down your daily requirements into um, hand portions so it will tell you a portion of protein is the size of your palm so in your day you need to have five to six portions of protein okay so that could be chicken fish eggs cottage cheese a scoop of whey protein is one portion um, so in your day, you will aim for, you've had five to six hand por- uh, palm-sized portions of protein in that day. And like I said, if you then stick to those guidelines, it will break it down for your protein, your fats, and your carbs. You will get roundabouts to where you should be aiming for your um, calorie goal for the day. So that is a little bit more of a relaxed approach to calorie counting as
0: well. Perfect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And... I would add there what Jade is describing is essentially we've got the theoretical approach, which I would say for those of you who are looking to have a very precise method of doing it, I would say go with the calorie counting method. It's going to take you a little bit more of an investment of your time. But as Jade said, you're going to educate yourself about the food that you're eating. So you're also empowering yourself beyond just calorie counting you're learning a lot about the food that you're putting into your body and what it's doing to your body um so i would i would recommend that as like a first step to someone who's really trying to take active control over their over their diet and then the, we've got other people where a practical approach where like the portion approach that jade's talking about would be more applicable to their situation maybe you don't have the time because you're a busy person and you kind of just need a guideline so it's always important to remember, choose something that fits in with your lifestyle. Don't go way outside and beyond what you're capable of doing if it's going to cost you time and energy. Um, yeah, so just remember that there are practical ways of, of managing what you eat and what you take in.
1: Yeah, 100% Stacy. You know, like we're talking about sustainability here. So if you are going to be able to log your calories for four days and then, you know, think, oh, my God, this is too overwhelming. This is too labor intensive. I can't do this. And then you're going to give up for four days. And then you're going to say, okay, wait, let me try again. And basically you are doing the, the restrictive, uh, you know, um, you, on and off that diet, you know, kind of cycle again. So if it's not something that is sustainable for you, if calorie counting is not going to be sustainable, then it's not for you. Don't do it. Rather try the uh, the hand portion. Um, approach or we can take the even longer route where you identify a small daily action that you know is going to result in you know you're improving your health and maybe losing a bit of weight and we take the that approach where instead of you know now trying to change your whole diet you're just going to look at cool uh what is one meal that I know that I, maybe I could improve on a bit and you say okay cool breakfast I'm having sugary cereals So I'm going to look at that. How can I improve this meal? How can I make this one meal a little bit healthier? So, you know, taking, it's a bit of a longer, slower approach, but once again, a lot more sustainable uh, for a lot of people if calorie counting is not going to be um, a a good option for you.
0: Yeah, that's a great, great tip because that's changing the habits around food and being more intentional about your food choices. That's that's really good because it's practical. Thanks, Jade. That's, yes. that's great.
1: All right. Perfect. Okay. And then I wanted to talk just about the word moderate. Okay. So calorie deficit, we know you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. But if anyone ever tells you or gives you a diet plan for 1,200 calories, you need to run away from them. Don't walk, run. <laughs> so 1,200 calories is about the calorie requirements of a toddler and probably – about the calories that your body will need just to sustain your, you know, actual living for the day. So that will be like your heart rate and your breathing. So your basal metabolic rate. Okay. So if you are eating 1200 calories in a day, you are, first of all, I think you and I have chatted about it before, but your hunger hormones are going to be all over the place. So, um, first of all, You know, it's going to have physiological effects and also psychological effects. If you are going to be eating 1,200 calories, you are going to be starving, you are going to be miserable. It's just not sustainable. No one wants to be hungry all the time. So maybe you can do a 1,200-calorie diet for two or three days, and then you are going to, you know, fall off the proverbial wagon and, you know, be back into that uh, uh, binge-restrict cycle again. So 1,200 calories or anything that is just too aggressive is, is really not going to be sustainable, and I really don't advise a massive, um, a massive deficit. So maybe if you, if you work out that your um, you know, energy requirements for the day to maintain your current weight, and you would do that by either speaking to a nutritionist or a dietitian, I would advise that over doing one of these online calculators, to be honest, because there are so many factors at play and also just common sense that, you know, unfortunately these calculators don't have. Um, I would rather suggest getting your calories uh, calculated by a professional but if your calorie intake to maintain your weight is 2000 calories I wouldn't suggest that you then do 1200 or even 1300 calories maybe do 1600 calories you will still lose weight it'll be a little bit slower but it'll be much more sustainable okay so moderate calorie deficit not excessive calorie deficit We're always trying to stay away from doing anything in excess, basically.
0: To go even further on that, um, as a personal trainer, if someone had to ask me about calories, I would try and put them in the smallest deficit possible Mm. that is still going to activate fat loss. Because, as Jade said, there's a psychological component as well as a physiological component to going into a deficit. There's a very, very interesting study. I'll link to it in the show notes that they gave people these kind of meal replacement gels so people couldn't calculate what they were putting into their bodies. And they did this, I think, for two weeks. And essentially, the people didn't know their calorie intakes. And as a result, because they didn't know how much food they were eating or how many calories they were getting, it had no negative side effects physiologically, cognitively, or psychologically. And some of them were in huge deficits. But because they didn't know in their subconscious what they were eating, it had no effect. So what, what's happening is when you see on a piece of paper that you're in a deficit, your brain starts to interact with the fact that you're in a deficit. And, and it will affect your psychology and your cognitive and your physiological behavior just because you know that fact. I mean, it, it's, that's how powerful your brain is.
1: Yeah, no, it's super interesting, and yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, it's, it's not sustainable. You, you are going to end up restricting and binging just like, you know, I think I did for about a decade. So um, we are going to try to take things, and you know, like I said earlier, everyone wants results immediately, you know, to lose the five kgs as quick as possible, but uh, there it is definitely, you know, credit in doing things a little bit slower. All right, okay, so, also, what I wanted to say is, you know, like, your body doesn't know, the, you can't, your body can't tell the difference between you being on a diet and you being in a, you know, a famine, and there's, like, an actual starvation risk out there, so giving your body 1,200 calories a day, like we just touched on uh, briefly earlier, those hunger hormones, so that leptin and that ghrelin, so if you're eating 1,200 calories a day, your body's probably thinking, oh, my sweet lord, there's a famine about... And it's going to not only try and get you to eat more, you're going to start craving more calorie dense food because, you know, your body thinks there's a famine out there. It's not going to make you crave lettuce and cucumber sticks, you know. It's going to want you to crave, it's going to want you to get the higher calorie foods in, um, you know, to protect against starvation. So uh, let's not trick our bodies into thinking we're starving when actually we are just massively restricting ourselves. 100%.
0: Hundred percent, right. and and yeah. before we move on to the to the next one, the last thing to say on this, or well, from my from my point of view, is it's also important to remember your body is not static. So, if you're going into a calorie deficit, there's something called adaptive thermogenesis. Your body will get used to the decrease in calories over time. That's why after a certain amount of time, you will have to recalculate and either increase energy output or Uh, tweak your calories down again as you get leaner and the leaner you get the obviously obviously the harder it's going to get to continue to get leaner Um, that's also just something to keep in mind that your deficit is not going to stay your deficit forever it's going to reach a point where you'll stop losing weight because your body will adapt to the new calorie intake
1: yeah perfect i like that that's a good good point Um, Okay, cool. So the next one. Sure, we spent a lot of time on calorie deficit, but it is so (laughs) important so that people understand that um, and don't be excessive with it. So, okay. The second thing that I think, well, I know is really important to focus on, and my friends that are listening are going to roll their eyes because I go on and on about this, but protein. Okay. So it is so important to hit your protein goal and not just when you are trying to build muscle, it is just as important when you are trying to lose fat or lose weight. Okay. So when you're eating in a calorie deficit to lose weight, there are three things that are going to happen, okay? So the first thing is you're going to lose weight, yay. That's what we want, okay? The second thing is that you are now eating quite a lot less calories than you were, and you're probably going to be hungry, okay? And the third thing is that you potentially are going to lose lean muscle mass. And my friends, we do not want to lose lean muscle mass. That is what we want to keep. Um, when people tell me that they want to be toned what they're actually saying is they want to you know put on muscle because muscle is what's going to give you you know shape and definition and um, so the answer to these three is protein okay so ensuring that you get enough protein in your day is going to mean you can still be in a deficit but not be starving hungry because protein will keep you fuller for longer okay so it, it takes longer for the body to digest and yeah, it just keeps you fuller, so that's the first thing, okay, and which means you're not going to, you know, get halfway through the day and be ravenously hungry, okay, and then the, with regards to the lean muscle mass, by keeping your protein up, it will help you preserve your lean muscle mass, okay, so at the end of the day, you can eat in a deficit and not meet your protein goal, that's fine, you're still going to lose weight, but a lot of that is potentially going to be, or it is going to be, lean muscle mass, okay, so When I injured my back training, I um, decided, cool, if I can't train, I'm just going to lose a hell of a lot of weight. Uh, So, you know, I can be super skinny. And I lost six kgs. But when I went back to and I did my in-body assessment, which calculates, you know, how much of your body is fat, how much is muscle, I uh, had lost six kilograms, but four and a half of that were muscle, which is ridiculous. It's crazy because I didn't didn't even while I was – in this weight loss phase, I should have still prioritized my protein to keep my lean muscle mass and rather lose, you know, work on just losing fat. So yeah, that was quite devastating because it took me a lot of time to put on that muscle and it was a very silly mistake. So that's just my my thoughts on the reasons why you need to still focus on protein, even if you are in a weight loss
0: phase. 100%. And in the even like to go into the weeds a bit there, the thermogenic effect of protein is higher than carbs and fat. So I know these are quite big words and some of you might not be familiar with these terms, but that's fine. You don't need to have like a degree in biology or biochemistry to understand. All it means is if you eat more protein, your body uses more energy to burn protein than it does the other two macronutrients. So it also helps because you're, Increasing the amount of calories you burn simply by changing the composition of your diet, which is a very important factor Um, One thing I want to get back to Jade is how would you go about calculating protein for somebody again for those beginners who are like Okay, cool. I know I need to eat protein, but what amounts of protein are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, perfect Um, Okay, so first off everyone's protein goals are different. So you do need to calculate it individually so the things that would uh, impact your individual protein goal would be your current weight, your activity level, and your goals. So your current weight, um, so say, for example, if you weigh 60 kilograms and you are moderately active, let's say you go for a walk a few times a week and you do some resistance training. Um, and thirdly, you've got a goal of you know, maybe putting on a little bit of, of, of lean muscle because you want to tone up a bit. So what you would do then, so there is a standard calculation. So you're aiming for between 0.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram body weight a day. Okay, 0.8 is the bare, bare, bare minimum. I wouldn't even put someone who's not even training on 0.8 grams of protein, even if you are in weight loss phase and in you know in a deficit but you're not training, I still would aim for higher than 0.8 grams of protein. So let's say for example, like we said, 60 kilograms relatively active, looking to put on some lean muscle, we're gonna maybe say 60 kilograms times by 1.8, because remember 0.8 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. And this person is trying to put on some lean muscle. They're quite active. So we're going to go towards the higher end of that scale. Um, And then we're going to end up with, say, for example, let's see, 108 grams of protein a day. All right. So what's important to note, I have had someone ask me about this, is that 100 grams of chicken is not 100 grams of protein, okay, at the end of the day. So you need to – you know, work out the foods that you are eating, how many grams of protein is in each of those of those things. So, For example, a scoop of whey protein has about 20 to 24 grams of protein in. So if you having, you know, eggs for breakfast and chicken pasta salad for lunch, and you know, maybe some steak for dinner, you need to work out how many grams of protein are in each of those. And at the end of the day, this person that is 60 kilograms, we multiplying by 1.8, is aiming for a total of 108 grams of protein per day. And that will help keep this um, you know, f- f- fuller for longer and also build lean muscle mass.
0: Perfect. 100 percent I would go so far to say with if I was working with someone as a personal client, there are slight gender differences between men and women. It does seem from the literature that women don't need as much protein as men do. So I would tend if if someone's struggling to hit their protein for the day, I would tend to go lower and get them at about 1.4 would be my minimum cutoff. But I'm inclined to agree with Jade. I would like most people to try and eat around that 1.8 grams per kilo just because there's no real negative effects of eating a bit more protein. And then you're completely covering your bases that you're not eating too little because what I see a lot with people that I talk to about their diets they they give me a sample of their diet and a lot of people eat relatively well but they're training in the gym and they're saying like I'm not really seeing much change in my body composition and then you realise oh but you're only eating about 0.8 one gram of protein per body per body weight and yeah it's just not enough to actually have a sustainable amount of protein to grow in the gym so it is something that i think people do often overlook
1: yeah i i do agree with you i see it so often and if you're putting in so much effort to go to the gym and train and once again not just from a muscle gain perspective from a weight loss perspective you are doing yourself such a disservice if you don't think about protein and prioritize protein um and just to touch on you know you mentioned you know You can go up to 2.2 and some other, you know, there's some pages or recommendations that you can go up even higher. But just realistically, you know, we have to think about in a day, how realistic is it for someone to eat? I've seen some people trying to eat like 170 grams, women, of protein a day. And it's so difficult. Um, And just to hit that is just not really practical. And I I don't think it's necessary. So, like we've said, I think 1.8 is a good... It's a good one, but, like, we, you do have to calculate for your own individual, um, you know, uh, weight and goals and activity levels. Yeah, so don't, if it does say spit out that, okay, cool, after you've done the calculation, you must be looking to hit 170 grams. That is a lot of protein, and you might find it quite difficult to, to get there. Um, I don't think it's also necessary. So um, just put a little bit of, um, you know, what is the word I'm looking for? Common sense, common sense behind it, you know yeah, um, common sense and be realistic
0: and also with with the whole protein thing, there is going to be a level of like diminishing returns, and like you said, you know you don't really don't really expect people to be eating one hundred and seventy grams of protein a day that can be quite excessive. An important thing to remember with research based nutrition is the research is based off of generalizations made off of the data points that they're getting out of the studies, but us as individuals. We are not data points. We are all different. We're not, we're not averages. So, yeah. yeah, just because the average says this is what you should do.
1: It might not work for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why Jade said earlier, talking about speaking to nutritionists or speaking to a professional in the industry, that's why I, I recommend that you do it through a professional because you might be an outlier and then your diet might be completely different to what is recommended online in these generalized spaces.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, so the last thing I just wanted to touch on with regards to protein, so I always recommend food first, so there are a lot of people that struggle to hit these protein goals, and because they are so important, we really need to try our best, so food first, if you can get to your 100, so I aim for 120 grams a day, if you can get there with your food, that is great, that is, that is the first prize, okay, so which means through what you're eating in the day, you're hitting your goal. If you are struggling to hit your goal, then there's nothing wrong with using a supplement. Okay. So I use a whey protein powder and I have a protein bar every now and then. Okay. It's not going to, for, for the ladies listening, it is not going to make you bulky to do a little bit of weight training and to drink a protein uh, powder after you train. Okay. a protein shake. If it was that easy to get bulky, you know, it wouldn't be such a, such a big thing. So it's not going to happen accidentally is what I'm saying. I have a lot of women messaging me and being like, you know, you're drinking this protein powder and I know it's important to prioritize protein, but I'm just so scared I'm going to get bulky. It is not going to happen by mistake, I promise you. So don't be afraid of supplements. Um, But like I said, food first. And then if you're struggling, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, I drink a whey protein, just a plain whey isolate and then a protein bar every now and then.
0: The the last thing I want to say and then, if you want to comment, you can. Otherwise, we can move on to step number three. But the last thing that I always tell people when it comes to protein, my first step is, as Jade is saying there, hit your daily target. That's your priority. Secondly, what are your sources of protein? I often say that the reality is is that certain protein types are more bioavailable than others. That's like a secondary concern, as is the timing and the portion size of the protein. So In an ideal world, we want to be having higher protein in and around the workout times and in kind of moderate amounts. But again, as Jade has been saying throughout the conversation, we also need to take practicality into mind. So the core thing is hit your daily target first and then start worrying about those secondary concerns.
1: All right, cool. And then uh, uh, the third point I'm just going to touch on relatively quickly is hitting your step goal. I think walking is so underrated for fat loss, and if you can hit eight to 10,000 steps a day, you are going to be burning more calories than if you had gone and done a gym, a session at the gym. Like I said, so underrated. So if you are currently doing 2,000 steps, don't go and try and walk 10,000 steps a day because, once again, that's excessive. It's not going to be sustainable. You're shooting the lights out. Just try and know maybe move from two to 5,000 steps a day. Just slowly but surely, you know, increase your activity level. So to be in a deficit, you can either eat less calories like Stacey mentioned earlier or you can um, increase your activity levels, which will burn more calories and put you in a deficit. So, I mean, I recommend doing both. (laughs) So, you know, um, get into that moderate calorie deficit and then increase your activity by just, you don't have to go and run a 5K or a 10K every day. You don't have to go to the gym five times a week, although it would be good for your your lean muscle mass, I do encourage weight training, but um, if you are just starting out and everything feels so overwhelming and going to the gym is intimidating, you don't have to do those things, put on some walking shoes, listen to a nice podcast or a happy playlist and just go for a few laps around the block, okay, with your kids or your dog or whatever or by yourself, it can be, also it's a really great exercise, it gets you out, it's good for your mental health. It's low impact on your body. So if you are a bit overweight and, you know, you find exercise, first of all, quite intimidating or you don't know where to start or quite painful, walking is a nice low impact thing to do. So like I say, don't let the fear of needing to be excessive put you off doing anything at all, okay? Just going for a walk can really make a massive difference. Also, if you are in a weight loss plateau, So you've been eating your 1,600 calories, you've lost, you know, a few kgs, you're happy, and now all of a sudden you've plateaued and you are not losing any more weight. You can restrict your calories a bit more or you can add a 20 to 30-minute walk in your day, and that will help you will start seeing the weight come off again. Okay, so walking, so important. All right, and also if you are looking to do other exercise, another important thing, I think, is to really focus on finding an exercise that you enjoy. Forcing yourself to do an exercise that you hate is not gonna be sustainable. So if you really hate going to the gym, try and find something that you enjoy doing. Maybe you enjoy doing yoga, you enjoy the walking, maybe you enjoy swimming. Don't force yourself to do something you don't enjoy. It's gonna create a negative mindset around exercise in general. Okay, so that's my two cents about step goals because I'm also a step obsessed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's great advice. I try and aim for that 10,000 a day. And also it's just I think just for general health, you know, like we live in such a sedentary environment in our modern world. Yeah. That we d- our bodies are made to move, and I think that steps are such a great low-level intensity way to do it. The only thing that I would reiterate with what jade said is i would always include weight training resistance training into a weight loss program not only because of the things that jade's already mentioned like keeping the muscle mass and not losing it while you while you're losing weight there's also a huge huge benefit from resistance training that your bones get your bone density over time as you get older is going to get worse especially for women once they hit menopause the estrogen is actually helping you calcify their bones so as your estrogen drops off your bones are going to get brittle or weak so the science shows that bone density improves under resistance training that's another reason to do it and then also just the mental benefits that i personally as an anecdote have seen in my own life and people will always report that they feel better, they feel more confident, they feel more self-empowered when they're weight training. So it's not just the muscles and the aesthetics of the training. There's also other benefits. And that's why I include the steps and the weight training as, as the complementary exercises to each other. But that's kind of you know, all I really have to add. If you want to move on, you can, Jed.
1: Cool. No, 100%. And I agree with you the, with the weight training, especially for women, is so important. I actually have a bit of a, a lower bone density and I see a, a physician related to that and he's also said weight training is so important and I he encourages me to do it which is great because <laughs> I love it um but yes yeah, so and you know what also another thing we don't just want to exercise to you know lose weight there's so many other important benefits and you know what? we want to be functional for years and years to come we want to when you're exercising think about okay, I'm 30 now, I want to be able to do these things when I'm 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. You know what I mean? Keep your body moving, keep active for not just now, for your future. I know it sounds so lame, but it's, it's true. You, you don't want to be, you know, 60 years old and, and you can't play with your kids and, and, and your grandkids and things. So, yeah, not just exercising for weight loss, there are so many other benefits. 100%. Okay, so moving on. Okay, so I really live by this. It's to have an 80-20 approach when you are thinking about you know, or your diet um, when when it comes to weight loss. So the whole excessive all or nothing mindset that we have about dieting and exercise is really what is like causing so many people to like fall off the wagon. So if you are going to try and be like 100% with your diet and never eat anything, also this labeling food as good or bad is also – part of this. So don't label food as good or bad. Some food is less nutritious and some food is more nutritious. And 80% of the time you are going to opt for the more nutritious option. And 20% of the time you are going to have the more calorie dense, less nutritious, but super delicious uh, burger and glass of wine that makes you happy. And that at the end of the day is going to help you stay on track. It's not what we do 20% of the time. So, when you do have your glass of wine or your pizza or, you know, whatever, it's not what you do that 20% of the time that is going to going to matter. It's the 80% of the time that you are consistent and, and eating well, that is what is going to count, okay? So, let's not be ridiculous. Oh, who said that? I think it's Winston Churchill, perfection is the enemy of progress. We don't have to be perfect. Sometimes you just have to do just enough to make progress, okay? So, I think this is such an important thing people that are being excessive and, and you know massively restricting and never allowing themselves anything. I don't know about you, but I went through phases where I couldn't keep chocolate in the house because I would be sitting on the couch and I would be obsessing about the chocolate that I knew was there until I've not let myself have it for like a week and then eat the whole thing all at once. You know what I mean? Rather, when you feel like it, have two blocks. Cool, move on, you know? I really believe in the whole 80, 20 thing. Um, and if you are eating perfectly or like, you know, perfectly the whole week, um, and just eating healthier, if you want to call it that foods. Um, and then on the weekend you are binging aggressively and that is just a sign that, you know, you are overly restricting yourself and that is never going to result in sustainable weight loss. So that's why I believe 80, 20 rule and not just like, of the time is during the week when you're good, and then the 20% is on the weekend where you binge aggressively and write off all your progress. So that's my two cents on the 80 20 rule.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it goes back to what I said earlier about that study of people not knowing they were being restricted. So if you know you are restricting yourself, if you, like Jade mentioned there anecdotally for herself, she knows she's cutting herself off from chocolate. Her brain is. Fixating on the chocolate. It's like telling someone not to think of a purple bear or a pink bear or a pink elephant, whatever the study was. You immediately think of the pink elephant. Your brain is going to be sitting there knowing that the chocolate is there. And yeah, excessively restricting yourself is just an exercise in willpower that you don't really need to put yourself through. I agree with Jade 100%. 80 20, especially if you are just a regular, everyday person who's who's trying to have sustainable weight loss. Obviously, case by case it it differs if I was working with a, a professional bodybuilder or someone who's looking to be an amateur bodybuilder and they have to be extremely strict that's a conversation that would go differently because unfortunately you have to control things like that but then again that's only a closed window where you're prepping for the show where you're going to be super strict and you know that there's an end in mind but for the average person I agree 100% 80 20 is perfect
1: okay cool All right, okay, the next thing, I really like this one. This is also helpful for people that maybe don't want to track their calories and, um, you know, just want to eat a little bit uh, healthier, maybe lose a few kilograms. So is to focus, this is uh, tip number five, is to focus on eating more whole and less processed food. Once again, we're not labeling food as good or bad, but some food is more nutritious than others. Um, And so whole food is basically... So as close to it would have been in nature as possible. So I'm going to use the apple as a, as an example. So a whole, you know, eating an apple, that is a whole food versus a uh, apple sauce, which is, you know, somewhat processed versus apple juice, which is, is quite processed, not to say that apple juice is bad for you, but it is a lot more calorie dense and just think, Okay, how quickly can you drink a glass of apple juice? Okay, you can drink it in like a few seconds if you really wanted to. And um, how long is it going to take you to eat an apple? So whole foods tend to be uh, less calorie dense, and they come along with a whole lot more uh, nutrients and minerals, whereas processed food tends to have a lot more calories, so it's more calorie dense, and it comes – with a lot more you know, refined sugars and um, preservatives and sodium. So it's not to say that you shouldn't obviously eat. Sometimes, like we said, the 80-20 rule, sometimes you will eat the, the burger. I am a big fan of a protein bar, which is definitely not gross to nature, but <laughs> I enjoy it and it helps me hit my protein goal. So there's space for all food on your plate. Just 80% of the time we are going to try and look for the least processed option of everything. So like I said, this is helpful for people that maybe just want to tidy up their, their eating habits a little bit without calorie counting. Focusing on eating more whole foods also helps create a mindset of abundance. So instead of thinking, okay, I need to restrict myself, I need to cut off this, I need to cut out that, rather think, what can I add to my plates? Cool, I can add these fruits, I can add these vegetables. And now instead of thinking restrict, 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 you're thinking, Cool. I'm adding things, creating a, a positive, uh, you know, mindset of abundance around food. So we can think of foods kind of on a continuum of you get less processed and more processed. Okay. So we're just trying to shift towards eating uh, the less processed options. And I just wanted to kind of put this in perspective with. Just think about if you're out for the night and you you are going to eat half a pizza, how quickly can you eat half a pizza and how many calories are in that and how quickly do you digest that because it is quite processed versus if you are going to eat the same amount of calories in a chicken and quinoa salad, that is going to be a huge bowl of salad. It is going to take you forever to eat because there's going to be a lot. Your body is going to work on digesting that because it is whole food. It's not, you know, as processed and already broken down. So you're going to be getting a lot more food. It's going to be more filling um, and it's going to be more nutrient and mineral dense than the processed option. Like I said, nothing wrong with pizza. I'm a fan. Uh, But, you know, more often than not, trying to choose more whole foods versus uh, processed foods. 100%
0: Hundred percent agree with you. Nowadays it's even quite difficult to define that term process because the modern world almost everything is processed to a certain degree because everything is everything is touched by us. You know, it's had it but as Jade said, everything's on a continuum. I also do understand like practical concerns. Like some people, the processed food it's cheaper, it doesn't spoil as easily. I do understand in, in certain situations people need to eat more processed food but then again as jade said try and move away from the completely completely processed stuff and move to as whole as you can get you know it is it is pricey i do understand that practical concern another thing Jay, touched on it is the whole thing with satiety so eating processed foods like the pizza example you will get hungry much earlier than you will eating unprocessed foods and it also goes back to the the point i made earlier about the thermic effect you'll also burn more calories with your body digesting all the good wholesome food whereas the processed stuff is kind of really broken down for your body to just all absorb all at once so you burn less calories digesting it which is important to remember the last thing i'll say on this is there was a there were a few experiments done based on processed foods I'll just give one example. I think he was a researcher. His name was Mark. I'm probably going to butcher his surname. Mark Haub, H A U B. He ate a diet of 1,800 calories. Before he started the diet, he did tests on his HDL, LDL, and his triglycerides. For those of you who aren't aware of what that means, so LDL is the bad cholesterol, HDL is the good cholesterol, and then triglycerides is basically the fat content. Uh, I think like swirling around in your blood in your system, and so. He went on a diet of extremely processed foods to see what the effect would be on his health if he was in a caloric deficit. So he put himself into a deficit, but he ate really bad foods. His breakfast was sugary cereals and processed whole milk. And then his meals and snacks were Oreos, Twinkies, candy. He basically ate no nutrient-rich food. He ate like a very, very poor diet. And I think he did it for a month or two, no, three months, something like that. He ended up losing... 30 pounds because he was in a caloric deficit, his health markers all went, all improved. His LDL went up, his HDL went down, and his triglycerides went down. So he got healthier as a result of eating all these unhealthy foods. So, what I'm saying, not what, so what I'm not saying here is to eat an unhealthy diet. What that study proved is that the benefits of being lean completely outweigh or can completely outweigh poor eating habits so the importance of the deficit of your calories is so extreme that even a poor diet can have a positive effect on your on your overall well-being so please don't take that to mean that you should just eat nonsense but what i'm just showing you is that by going into a deficit and being healthier overall that is the goal of the diet the, the fundamental goal and obviously if you're eating healthy foods you're also getting all the, the minerals and the nutrients. And those are the things that those studies never never really test. They haven't tested what the long-term impact of missing all your micronutrients are. In that study, he did take a multivitamin every day just to make sure that he covered some of his bases. Again, those, that's an experiment. like He's setting out to prove something. So that's not something that we, I'm giving advice on. I'm just trying to put into context how important the deficit is but don't sacrifice your micronutrients just because you're trying to lose weight.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that goes back to the first the first point of being in a moderate calorie deficit. Like I said, I think I have a post on it. Reasons that you, I mean, like you're if you've been in a calorie deficit for a while and you're not losing weight, it's because you're not actually in a calorie deficit and you're missing something. For example, people often forget about, you know, like the oil that they're using when they're cooking or they're not counting the calories that they drink, you know. So the those things, those hidden calories. So yeah, calorie deficit. If you don't take anything from this podcast besides the fact that you just need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, and you don't have to cut food groups and be excessive and everything, that is that is the most important.
0: I forgot to mention there, the one point. Sorry, I did. I know I said it was my last thing. No. Fiber. Oh yeah. The other thing that. People often forget with processed and unprocessed, in our modern diets, we eat so little good fiber because of everything being processed that it is hugely, hugely, uh, what is the word? We're hugely deficient in good sources of fiber in our modern diets. So that's another, that's another hugely important thing for your gut health and all those kinds of things like I mean that's a whole podcast in itself like microbiome and
1: yeah I was about to say oh we could go (laughs) yeah also for your for your cholesterol if you have um, higher cholesterol if you want to just start to manage your cholesterol with your with your diet instead of medication Um, obviously if it is very high and you need to go on medication you need to listen to your medical professional but increasing the fiber in your diet can help reduce your cholesterol so If you do have a slightly higher cholesterol and you are on medication as well, you can still, you know, help out the process there naturally and increase your fiber in your diet to bring down, help bring down your cholesterol a bit. So yeah, fiber, super important. All right. Okay, and then the last thing, I'll just mention this, it, it is like also I don't know which one's more important calorie deficit or consistency to be honest because if you're going to be in a calorie deficit for two days and then you're going to fall off the wagon then your calorie deficit is not going to mean anything so consistency is so important everyone always goes on about motivation like oh I started this new diet I'm so motivated motivation is great it gets you going but motivation is it doesn't last unfortunately or else we would all be crushing our weight loss goals because we'd be motivated all the time. But we are not motivated all the time. If you're going to be relying on motivation on Wednesday night when you've had a really long day, you're stressed out, you know, you're, ESCOM's hit, oh, so you know, so this is South African listeners, you don't have power, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be relying on motivation in those hard times, then you are likely to not make the, uh, let's say, more nutritious choice. Don't rely on motivation. You need to rely on consistency. It's all about when you don't have motivation, what are the choices you're going to make? Okay. So rather, instead of doing like a complete lifestyle overhaul as well and like being cool, I'm so motivated, I'm going to start this ridiculous diet. Rather, like we've discussed before, Stacey, you know, um, habit stacking. So try and, and, and rather identify small changes that are manageable that you can Apply consistently over time. That will help you get to your goal. Okay.
0: Again, completely agree with Jade. The other things that I would talk about would be remember to try and keep it as simple as possible because you you don't want to be overthinking every single food decision you have to make. And I think Jade brought this up in our previous conversation before before we spoke today. Meal planning, for example, that reduces the thinking that you have to do before the day starts so if you've got a a fridge full of food prepped and ready yes obviously doing the preparation stuff is a bit of a mission on a sunday but if your fridge is full of food and you have a plan okay monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday my meals are ready for the week it really really will help you in reducing thinking about the food that you're going to eat for the day if you do it on the fly you're going to struggle to stick to your diet goals and the worst time to be making healthy food choices is when your stomach's grumbling and it's six o'clock in the evening or seven o'clock in the evening, and you you've you come home from work, as Jade said, and you have an empty fridge. Your first thought is probably you're going to eat something that you ordered in. That's probably not going to be the best for you, and probably not going to align with your goals for your diet. So yeah, just a bit of preparation and making it simple so that you don't set yourself up to fail. That's that's basically all i have to add on that point of consistency
1: yeah i love i love this point planning and meal prep is a game changer and so many people are like oh i don't have the time but like take 10 minutes before you go to bed to i make overnight oats almost every night i um, luckily for me i like oats but i mean if you don't you'll think of something else but to prep my oats the night before and pack our lunch boxes and it honestly just takes all that out of stress out of your day and having to think and plan around it it's honestly it is such a big thing and also you know what if you do if you do fall off plan and you decide oh flip i haven't packed lunch and i'm gonna go to the canteen and i eat end up eating something that wasn't really on my plan how quickly can you get back to your plan are you gonna say cool i had a burger for lunch so whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna have a chocolate bar for my snack and for dinner i'm gonna you know eat a creamy pasta with bacon and have a couple glasses of wine because oh well you know I fell off the wagon at lunchtime. No. Get back to your plan as quickly as possible. So don't let that one meal turn into three meals. Get back to your original plan. That is also part of consistency. Cool. So I think I have done a lot of talking here. But at the end of the day, if I could have just, if we could have just gotten through to one person and help someone understand, you know, how to ditch the whole diet culture, excessive diet mentality then I will be a super happy woman. So, yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really enjoyed um, having this chat with you. Also very insightful for me as well. I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to add.
0: No, I'm I'm good. I think just a huge shout out for you for giving up your time. And I know for those of you that aren't aware, South Africa is in what we call load shedding. So the power goes off from time to time. And in South Africa, we're on level six load shedding at the moment. And Jade's actually left the home and gone to the office just for this so thank you very much i really appreciate it
1: (laughs) no it's such a great pleasure only my pleasure all right and like i said uh sorry just last note like flip if anything please like consult a a professional like i know there's all those free calorie calculators that you can find online but nothing is going to be as valuable as speaking to a professional so put some money aside and go and get that all done by a professional and i think it will set you up on a good on a good road 100%. All right, thank you Stacy.
0: Thank you very much. As we come to the end of this episode of speaking to Stacey, i want to say a big thanks for listening all the way through. I hope that you have found value in Jade's insights for a sustainable diet. I urge you to follow Jade on Instagram for more great tips about health and exercise. Her handle is at josie.fit.foodie. That's the at sign, J O Z I, full stop, F I T, full stop, F O O D I E, at foodie. Before you go, I have one last favour to ask. Please remember to subscribe to Speaking to Stacey, and that way you'll never miss new episodes. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a rating and review. It helps others to find the show. Remember, the more the show grows, the easier it is for me to continue to bring you beneficial content. It was great having you with us today, and I look forward to sharing this experience with you again in the next episode. Until then, keep well.